Welcome to the Outdoor Country Talk Podcast, hosted by Jacob Poole and Jeremy Shaw, where we bring country living and the great outdoors together. All right, welcome back to another episode of Outdoor Country Talk with Jacob and Jeremy. Jake, what's happening, my man? Well, I am in the shop tonight uh, with the heater on, because needless to say, it's not, uh, it's not that warm here as usual. Uh, you know, it's going to be 70, I think, again by the end of the week, but today's still one of them cooler ones, so. Yeah, yeah, getting kind of toward the tail end of this front. I know I tried to I tried to ride it in the duck woods as long as I could over the last couple of days, but had to get back to reality, back to work today, and it wasn't uh, such a bad time this weekend in the, in the old duck woods. We had, a, we had a pretty good little shoot this weekend. Wait, well, yeah. kind of. Kind of going into the first week when, when everything move, move that up. away from Saturday when I was there uh, because Saturday was a, a no go. It was a really great time visiting, but it it was not so much on the uh, <laughs> the knocking down numbers. In man, talking about Saturday, you know, we sat through that what hour hour and a half rain. I mean, a good rain. Time. I ain't talking about no drizzler. Well, we got to check out the quality of gear. Well, speaking of gear, so we got there. We come back and hunted went back after him on Monday. And, uh, man, it was just like, yeah, I mean, daylight come, mallards start coming in. And, and uh, you know, you know how I am. I don't, during duck season, I don't take care of it. I mean, I use it. It breaks and whatever. So when we got done hunting on Saturday, I threw my gun in the, in the gun case, which it was soaking wet. Everything we had was soaking wet. But I threw my gun in the gun case, threw it in the truck, and, and uh, went on about my thing and didn't pull it out again until, until Monday morning. So we had a little, little boat ride in, and uh, I get in there and hang my gun up and slide it on a tree branch there, waiting, getting decoys and everything. So daylight breaks, and a few dollars start working in there real real early. And and um, we had a group group sit down right at, right at shooting time. So we go to, go to shooting on them, and, man, my gun, I pull the trigger, only thing it does is bring a shell out of the out of the tube and, and going up to the to the chamber, and the, and the shell in the in the chamber never shot. I'm like, man, what's what's up? I had never had a problem with this gun, so I rake, racked that one out, slide me another one in the tube, and what? Heck, two or three minutes here come another group of ducks. Same thing. Well, I just slide the chamber back, and it is it is still water visible water in there. I think it's two or three leaves hung up in it. <laughs> So I had to do a little, a little sitting and standing in knee deep water, trying to clean my gun up a little bit. Finally, got it to shooting, shooting good, and we had a good shoot. But I got back to the camp, and uh, and man, I can tell you, it's uh, it was pretty, pretty neglect on my part with my shotgun. We got it cleaned up. And All right, that so old Benelli was good to go again Sunday, uh, Tuesday morning. Let's yeah. back this up. So you put a wet gun in a wet gun case, mm-hmm. yeah. and let it sit for two days. Yeah. Okay. All right. I was just making sure I understood exactly what had transpired. There. 100%, 100% self-inflicted error <laughs> on, on the Benelli. Well, and if but, I remember uh, correctly on the group message, I had even asked Shed that, you know, man, did you have a chance to dry your stuff out and clean it up? Oh, yeah, I took it all out and laid it out, and it ought to be dry and clean. And I, I think I messaged him on the side and said, man, make sure you clean that gun. Do not let it, you know, you, you well, I don't can't... think it was really the water that bothered mine. It was all the dirt 
and dust and leaves and well, sticks and everything that was up in mine that just got wet and just clogged everything up. Leaving them in wet gun cases will get them for sure. Well, I did that a couple of years ago, and it, it wasn't good for it. Well, when it's a it's a Benelli, it, it's going to take a lot to slow it down. But it's back to life and <laughs> rocking on. Rocking on. What about you, man? You uh, you gonna get after them this weekend? Going down to where, Florida? That's a plan. Going? Yeah, I think we're gonna do the diver hunt down in Florida with those guys again this year. Uh, we're, yeah. we're waiting to see. One phone call depends on whether I'm going or not. We got a family member that's uh, we're kind of checking on, but uh, yeah. They, the worst part was this morning I had to back out of a hunt. A guy sent me a message last night and wanted to know if I wanted to go go at him. He had some pegged down and. About seven o'clock, seven fifteen, he went to sending pictures, and I'm like, "Dude, don't rub it in." I'm I'm headed to the eye doctor, and I really don't want this to be the last thing I see before they dilate my eyes. And uh, I had another meeting appointment I had to make after that, so it was it was one of those where I had to pass, and I didn't want to. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. I've been been off work for oh about four days, and uh, man, I was wanting to get back after this morning, but you know priorities. Getting away it's this grown-up thing. You know, they, they oh, tell you when it. you're a kid, you know, man, you, you're in a hurry to hurry up and grow up. Then when you grow up, you're like, what was I thinking? No doubt, man. I had no it made, doubt. and I just did not know. But I think we, we're getting back to the podcast. I know I'm a couple of days late on getting our, getting our last one put out, but, you know, the hunting season slows slows a few things up. But we're going to get back after it and. We're back here. Got us, uh, got us a good guest with us tonight, Jay. We do. We've got a really good guest tonight. I'm, I'm excited to hear hear all of his story because I know it's one that a lot of folks in this area may or may not know, but it, it'll be, you know, a, a hometown guy from from this area who's who's doing good things in the outdoor world. Absolutely, absolutely. And then the the name of uh, Mossy Oak, you know, stands out in the in the hunting community the outdoor world i mean it's pretty pretty large iconic uh especially being a, itself. especially being a mississippi based company absolutely absolutely go ahead and introduce who we got tonight jake rusty mcdaniels are you on with us tonight bud what's up guys i'm here rusty good having you tonight how are you man doing great guys thanks for having me it's uh gonna be a pleasure to visit anytime you can talk hunting Oh, that's man, not a bad yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rusty, we've had, a, we've had a lot of people ask us why we started doing a podcast. And it's like, well, all we do is talk about hunting and fishing most of the time anyway. So, you know, it, it's it's just a new way to meet more people and, and, you know, help get the word out about the about the things that we love. So why not? Absolutely, man. Uh, you know, it's one of the best things about hunting camp. Oftentimes, you know, I don't know how you guys are, but I would, I'd be willing to bet most of the time you spend telling stories where you're not even talking about a deer you killed or a limited duck you killed, just like that shotgun story. You just spent, that was the most funny part right there. Just listen to the, the dirty shotgun. He didn't really talk about limits of ducks. So it's not always <laughs> about the kill. It's about a camaraderie and the camp life, you know? So that's absolutely, I think we brought it up on a podcast a couple of few of them ago. I don't know. I probably said it several times, but I think some of the most memorable moments, are probably not those times that you're walking out, you know, with limits ducks or a big buck in the back of a truck, anything like that. It's usually, usually something else that comes along the way that's going to stick in your mind way more than whatever the harvest was. It's normally whatever I mess up. 
<laughs> yeah, well, I, that's right. You, I, I or forgot you think to tie my bow to the took to 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 finally have success and kill a big deer or, or a turkey or whatever the case may be, or all the struggles that led to not killing that turkey or that final one for your lemon of the state or whatever your goals yeah. are or whatever as a hunter. Absolutely. Yeah, I know Absolutely. one of the biggest deer I've ever had opportunity at several years ago with my bow. I had crawled up in the stand and was up there getting everything situated and really I was up there early, had had plenty of daylight. And I said, you know, nothing's going to move till late. And pulling my bow up was not my first concern. It is now. Before I situate <laughs> anything else, my bow comes up that tree with me. Because he come walking out and my bow sitting on the ground and all I could basically do was just wave at him. Uh, and never, never got another look at him in the tree again got him on camera several more times but he showed up randomly running a doe and it was like hmm, lesson learned hey i can relate to that too and i'll add to that uh i always put my release on my hand too before i even get up in there i, mean, I usually put it on my hand on the ground i, I usually walk it in I put where on. you may climb up and you may be just getting the bow pulled up and then the deer walks up and then guess what you still got to do you got to strap that release on. <laughs> That's happened to me a couple of times where <laughs> I just didn't quite have time to get the release on. And then next thing you know, that buck's gone, you know, but put it on early, get up there. And then that's one less thing you got to fool with. Tell me this. Has it ever, you know, tempted you just to go ahead and, and draw it three finger it and, and go, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Do it, it, do it old school and, oh, yeah. <laughs> and grab it and it go. Did. Yeah, it definitely tempted me. You know, growing up, I shot fingers for a long time. Of course, you know, back then, fingers was still a thing, uh, you know, and shot well with fingers. But with today's bows, and you know, they're so specific and dialed in with a release, I, I'm pretty sure I probably would have airballed or, or worse, you know, wounded or something like that, which you never want to do. So I'd like to think I did the ethical thing and did not try to shoot fingers with a 70-pound bow, you know, that's dialed in you know with a release so have you ever but had it did, that it did cross my mind have you ever had that peep sight problem like not I, turning where you can see through it yeah where, where you just oh, yeah. you go to look and it's like i'm not looking at anything so you try to look beside it and you look and you're like i'm, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna hit anything like this i even practice mine every once in a while just you know peep sights messed up let me look beside it and see if i can it never comes out well no you're always left or right but like I'm sure y'all have done the whole drawback anchor and it's not quite turned and you're reaching up there with your nose trying to get it turned enough, you know, nose a, lot of that, a lot of that's new bows too. It, you know, it takes time for that string stretch and get everything gets settled in. But, you know, uh, cause trickling there at Mossy Oak, one of my best friends, he hired me 17 years ago there. And, uh, he still shoots the rubber hose with a peep sight. You know, the old school peeps got the little, where you can attach the, you got to, you know, lick it to moisten the rubber and you stick it over there. You know what I'm saying? And it goes up to the yeah. dead gum limb. He still uses that. And he says, hey, man, hey, cuz, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He said, I, right. no, I ain't never going to have no problem with my feet not turning, you know. He's got a valid but, point. Uh, He's got a very valid point. I mean, if it works, why tinker with it? Uh, Absolutely. Look, until just a few years ago, I still shot aluminum arrows out of my old PSE Thunderflight Express, and it was uh, I'd go to 
some of these little tournaments, 3D tournaments, and everybody's like, Mr. Jake, are you still shooting aluminum arrows? I am. <laughs> they work. Uh, That's right. When they hit, I hear the impact. Wow. <laughs> There's no doubt. It's not like shooting one of these carbon or, you know, whatever the new ones. Everybody shoots different things, and, and I like the no old buzzy broadheads. No doubt. Look, Ted Nugent, man. I mean, y'all know who Ted Nugent is. He uh, yeah. he's, a, he's a firm believer in, in shooting a log of an arrow. I mean, long, heavy. You know, he shoots the the, the heaviest arrow he can get his hands on. His uh, feet per second is nothing extraordinary out of this world like some of these new bows can do. You know, this 330, 340 foot per second stuff. I mean, he's probably shoot. I don't know what he shoots, but sub 300 for sure. But he hardly ever... Uh, you know, shoots a whitetail or, or anything else he hunts, for that matter, and doesn't get a pass through because he's got some serious, you know, rear end going through that animal, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways to look at the whole archery uh, methods, do's and don'ts, and, uh, you know, preferences and things. All of them work, but, you know, some have oh, pros yeah. and, all of them have the pros and cons. And a lot of it is just strictly, strictly preference. I mean, somebody get one thing they like and, that's right. Rust and feel. That's it. Well, Rusty, you, you, it's correct to say that you are a Mossy Oak employee, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so kind of tell us the, the story of kind of how that developed and what you do with them, how long you've been with them and, and everything. Okay, yeah. Uh, yep, I work at Mossy Oak uh, in West Point, you know, right there in northeast Mississippi. Uh, I live in Tupelo, which is about 50 miles north. And, uh, of course, Mossy Oak brand camo was found in 1986. Uh, so we're 34 years old, I believe, if my math correct. Uh, you know, just been a staple, uh, in the outdoor industry for all those years. And, uh, I was hired in September of 03. Uh, so I'm in my 17th year. And, um, so I have been in the, uh, productions TV content capture world of my entire uh leg here at mossy oak uh backing up a little bit when i was a kid just talking to jacob before we started today and we all knew each other you know centerville liberty woodville guys you know all buddies played summer ball against each other and then come together for all stars and play and then play friday night lights football you know gridiron action against each other we all knew each other growing up and we're all we're just country boys that hunted and fished and and for me, I played sports and hunted and fished, and that was it. And I had, uh, I had a couple goals. I, I loved baseball, and Lord blessed me with some talent, and I was, you know, decent at it for a while, and I was able to help pay for my school uh, with baseball scholarships. I uh, played two years of junior college at Ball Meridian, and I played a year at Southern Miss, and then I finished up at Ole Miss. And, uh, you know, used, used sports to help, baseball to help pay for my education, which was invaluable. And, uh, but that whole time, I knew baseball wasn't going to last forever. I mean, yeah, every kid's dream that, that loves to play a particular sport wants to play at the highest level, you know. For me, obviously, the big leagues, uh, Major League Baseball. Of course, I knew that was a long shot. Uh, you know, back then, it was some crazy stat, like le- less than 3% of all drafted players make it to the majors, that kind of thing. So I had a backup plan, my point that I'm trying to get to. And, uh, I said, you know what, if I can't, you know, make money and make a living at baseball, which is very, you know, likely to happen, it's going to end at some point. I want to do it with my 
the other thing that I love, you know, and have a passion for, and that's hunting and fishing and outdoors, but primarily hunting. And uh, so I started filming hunts uh, when I was, heck, my brother Rocky and I, we would film each other bird hunting around the house when we were just kids. I mean, 10, 11, 12 years old, and we didn't have any kind of high-end equipment. We just, my grandfather and grandmother had bought a, an old Zenith shoulder-mounted camcorder back Weigh in the about day. about 85 you, pounds? Yeah, you literally put a full-size VHS tape in it, and you would record, and we would film that stuff. And then it just progressed as we got older and become better hunters and to go out on our own. We'd film each other shooting does, you know, go go jump up in the box stand on the lease on the power line and, you know, shoot a doe with a 270, you know, and film it. And we'd do the recoveries and and all of that. And I just, I just loved it. I just had a... a I guess a knack to begin with filming. And then I just kind of said, you know what, this is going to be my way to get in and, uh, and figure out a way to make money. don't know if it'll work, but I'm going to try. And, uh, you know, we had a little local rental video rental store back in the day, uh, back when you could, you still actually went in a rental store and, and rented VHS tapes. Y'all remember them times? I do. <laughs> and, uh, and I would, rent, oh, yeah. I would rent some of the early Mossy Oak, uh, VHSs, you know, when, when Toxie hired Cuts back in the day to start TV, uh, or not TV, but uh, VHS tapes, mm-hmm. like all the, uh, everybody started out with just VHS tapes. That was a way to market your your uh, product, which for us was camouflage, obviously. Um, you know, then you got your call companies, you know, like Night and Hell, they had VHS tapes. They'd go out and, uh, you know, call up these deer and kill them, and call up these turkeys and kill them and film it. And, of course, the Primo's crew and, uh, the Drury's. And so it's just a lot of, uh, some of the icon guys in the very beginnings of the whole outdoor television, uh, content capture world was, were, they were starting when I was a kid. And so that's kind of who I looked up to and sort of who I learned from. And I just thought, Hey, I kind of see how they filmed that walk up and that recovery. I'm going to start doing that when I film my brother or my buddies or whatever. Anyway, it just evolved and it just got more serious and I'd get a little bit better camera. You know, and then they got smaller and I got a little compact camera and then I still didn't know anything about technology or anything like that, but I just knew I could hunt. And, uh, you know, we were raised in Southwest Mississippi. I've always referenced it as the promised land, still very fond of where I grew up. Uh, we've been fortunate down there to have, you know, great population of whitetail, turkey, ducks, and, uh, you know, place to hunt and, uh, just learned, you know, learned to hunt and, one thing led to another, and throughout those college baseball days, uh, every spare chance I got, I was hunting and then filming. And then before you know it, uh, I had a, a a library, if you will, of boxes of tapes, you know, Rubbermaid totes full of tapes of hunts, turkey hunts, duck hunts, deer hunts. Um, that was back in the 90s, man. It was glory days of duck hunting back on. Jacob, you could go over to, I mean, you know about Lake Mary. <laughs> you we could go, go to Lake, Lake Mary, Mary, Mud Lake, and just yeah, just do what you wanted to. Yeah, man, we would go out with, uh, you know, four guys. You know, my brother and I and a couple of buddies, we might go go over to Lake Mary and, you know, you limit out on Greenhead, you get 16, right? It's four piece. I mean, if we killed 10, we were just aggravated. Oh, dang, we wasted our time. We didn't kill but 10. Nowadays, <laughs> you take four guys somewhere and kill 10 Greenheads, you better be jumping for joy because you know what i'm saying it's just you do it at lake mary and you hit a home run 
Yeah, ain't no doubt. But anyway, uh, a lot of that, I filmed all that stuff. Uh, I was behind the camera 75% of the time and directing my buddies and my uncles and daddy and just, you know, and it was, I was always aggravating them. Y'all stand here and do a little clothes and hold them ducks up. You know, it was just, I don't know, I just had a love for it. And uh, so I built up a video resume. Uh, I remember my junior year uh, at Southern Miss, uh, as soon as baseball practice was over or we'd get back from a, a, a you know, finish up a, a home stand against somebody that weekend on Sunday night or something like that, I'd go in my room and sit in front of my computer and start editing. I had uh, bought a little editing software from one of them, I don't know, from like Circuit City or something back in the day and, and put that little deal in my computer and started learning to edit. And if you look back on it now, it's just awful. It's just terrible, but it was, but it was a start, you know, and, uh, and I was fortunate enough along the way, y'all know as well as I do in just about any field or line of work you go into, I mean, talent's one thing, qualifications are, are another, but who you know is very important too. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be able to meet a man by the name of Bo Prestige. Uh, Mr. Bo is super instrumental in me just even getting a phone call from, from Cuz at Mossy Oak and from Brad Ferris at Primos. And uh, if y'all if y'all remember back, if you remember watching any of the early Whistling Wings, uh, Mossy Oak Whistling Wings duck hunting DVDs, uh, there were several hunts every year on some of those early VHSs where Cuz and the Mossy Oak crew would be over filming ducks over at Wildlife Incorporated over in Itabina, Mississippi. Uh-huh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So Bo, Bo was running that outfit service. Bo was a farmer by trade, but he said, you know what? I got ducks here just by what I do. I mean, I got crops in the ground. I got water, and there's ducks. Let's do something else with this. Love duck hunting. So he started taking folks hunting. And uh, he'd established a really good relationship with, you know, Toxie. Uh, obviously, Toxie Hayes, the founder and creator of Mossy Oak, my boss. And uh, and then uh, Mr. Bill Sugg, who's the... Uh, the president of our company uh he was the first employee uh ever uh that toxie hired back in 86 when they started the company well toxie and bill and cuz and bo Prestige became good friends just from doing the whole filming over there so many times and um i was able to meet bo and i just told him hey man this is kind of what my heart's at this is kind of what i want to do but i don't really know how to get in he just kind of said well i've heard this a hundred times there's always a guy a kid that comes up at that point, I think I'm 22 years old, 23 years old. I just finished college. I was cutting grass, trying to make some money. Back home in Centerville, I was living with my brother. I was living with Rocky, Jacob. He wasn't oh, home. Poor man. And uh, I was cutting grass, trying to figure out what I was going to do. And uh, I was able to meet Bo. He said, I've heard this a hundred times. Kids, you know, come bragging to me, thinking they good hunters and think they know what it takes to get in the hunting field and want to be cameramen and this and that and uh and i just tell them real quick unit for wrong reasons they walk up and they say you know here's all the pictures of the 150s i've killed you know the limits of turkeys all the time and this is how good of a hunter i am and he goes they're mistaken because that's not what outdoor television is you got to have creative people that you know hunting and killing is part of it for sure but I, I didn't take make that pitch to him. I said, I just I just want to get in front of Cuz or Toxie or or Mr. Will Primos or Brad or somebody, and because uh, I was fond of both of those companies, both Mississippi companies, mm-hmm. 
that that meant a lot to me. I mean, right here where I'm from, and uh, I remember I remember ordering my first set of mossy oak full foliage from Gander Mountain uh, back in the day when I was a kid. If y'all remember the full foliage pattern? It was one with the white oak leaves. It was awesome green green springtime turkey hunting pattern. And uh, I've always loved mossy oak. And I always worn it even before I become became employed there. Rusty, I'm trying anyway, to think. I want to say I still have one of those shirts. And I've got a. I've got I, a matter of fact, a, I know a full I foliage do. vest. I think like I've got one in my man. closet that that's probably red holed horribly. A couple of barbed wire tears in it. <laughs> Hang on to that, dude. Man, that's classic stuff. But uh, I'm getting long winded, I know. But uh, Bo heard my story and he kind of saw my video resume and he goes, "You're different." He said, "You're different." He said, "I wouldn't. I don't know you that well," is what he said. He said, "But I could tell you you're a good kid. You were raised right. Uh, just from being around you, you know, you yes sir, no sir, respectful." And uh, he said, I'm, I'm going to make a phone call. He said, you need to send that video and that letter and that resume to, to Cuz. You need to send it to Wilbur or Brad. And, uh, you know, Brad was Brad was Will's kind of video director guy then, like Cuz was for Toxie then for the two different companies. And, uh, you know, I did, and I sent him, and Bo made a couple phone calls. And, man, it wasn't like three days I got phone calls from both Cuz and Brad. And uh, they said, if Bo Presses thinks highly of you, we definitely want to hear from you and uh, and visit with you. And he said, this is the first time we've ever gotten any kind of video resume with any kind of creativity where it's not some kid thinking he's the next Jim Shockey or something that's going to travel the world and kill everything, <laughs> but somebody that actually has a creative mind and, and thinks about the filming part of this. And uh, that kind of raised an eyebrow for us, you know. And what it boiled down to was Brad said, man, we just don't have an opening right now. He said, but you're going to the top of the list in the, in the event that we do. He said, are you looking at anything else? I said, well, I'm about to call Cuz back because he left me a voicemail. He said, we love Mossy Oak. been partners with him for years. Uh, I highly suggest you jumping on whatever you can get and get going in this field. And called Cuz back. He said, can you be here tomorrow at noon? And I ain't kidding y'all. I walked in. And uh, right there in West Point, didn't know a thing, scared to death. And uh, walked in, sat in front of Cuz, and he said, hey. He said, you from Centerville, right? I said, yes, sir. He said, I'm from Natchez. He said, if you grew up hunting in Centerville, I know you know how to hunt. And he said, you got a little bit of creative edge about you. I ain't never seen anything come through the door like that. He said, most everybody sends their pictures of all their big deer. He said, ain't hey, what I'm after. He said, you'll get a chance to hunt some. He said, but most of your time is going to be behind that camera starting out. And uh, five minutes later, he offered me a job. I mean, I was just like, are you serious? I'm, I'm in that fast. <laughs> and, uh, it, it, you know, it just kind of seems cliche. But when I was, I think when I was 14 was the first time I looked at mom and daddy and said, this is what I'm going to do for a job. You know, and it's just crazy. You know, I just worked towards it. And, uh, and there it is. And here we are 17 years later still doing it. You know, a little well, bit I different mean, role now, but I mean, still involved in the content capture for sure. Well, I mean, back then, you know, in 03, you know, I, I remember, you know, watching DVD, well, VHSs, and, you know, I can't remember what DVD, when DVDs came along, but, you know, VHSs from back then, and, and you know, the quality and what what was out there to, to watch hunting show is a lot different than it is now. How did you know, how did you play into those times? Like, were you, 
you know, I hear, hear you talking about your, you know, your creativity and, and everything like that. Well, were you kind of just blending in with the times or do you think your work was, was kind of on the evolving part of it? Well, no, I don't necessarily think what I did from an amateur standpoint with basic consumer type cameras and things. I mean, I'm talking yeah. guys, I was using palm quarters and just, you know, right. uh, like I said, it looked awful, sounded awful. I really learned <laughs> very quickly. Um, uh, I'll tell you another name y'all know that's been doing this 25 years, Troy Ruiz. Uh, Troy yeah. was with Mossy Oak yeah, uh, right. for a lot of years, uh, uh, working right alongside Cuz. He was uh, a manager, a director role there over TV and DVDs at Mossy Oak for a long time. And then he uh, he moved back. He moved down to Jackson and started with Primos for a while and then uh, left there, did something else, and then came back. Of course, that's where he's at now. But uh, – Troy was very instrumental too, uh, in the training part, uh, and really helping me learn about angles and framing and composition of a shot. And it's not just, all right, let's turn the camera on, hit record and go. I mean, everything's got to be in focus. Uh, I learned real quick. There wasn't no such a thing as automatic focus anymore. You had to use manual <laughs> focus because how many times have you seen a, uh, a pretty bad hunting show or, or, or DVD or VHS where here comes a deer coming in through the hardwoods and that water of clam right there in front of you is in focus and that deer, you can't even hardly tell it's a deer because he's out of focus. You know, that would happen to me back in the day. And there's, believe it or not, there's producers that are on TV networks right now. It's such a flooded market with so many different TV shows out there that are, that are that way. But I learned about focus, you know, using manual focus. I learned about iris, you know, and exposure, which is, you know, too bright or, or, or too dark and how to adjust that and trust your eye. Uh, I learned about audio, which is so, so big. Uh, everyday guys just turn on hunting shows and watch, don't think about it, don't have any idea. But, but capturing good, clean audio in a hunting setting is, is hard. I mean, you're dealing with high winds, you're dealing with this, that, you know. You're dealing with weather flow. temperatures, moisture. Uh, oh, yeah. Yep, yep. And, uh, and just to add to that, I figured out too, and I knew that, you know, the electronic gear that we, that I was using back in the amateur days, you know, in high school and college and stuff, obviously it made for, like you say, Jacob, the weather conditions, you know, it, uh, it's, it's certainly not. And it was, it was some pressure I learned pretty quick when you hold, when you got about $30,000 worth of gear, uh, as a field <laughs> producer at that level. And, and, you're, and they look at the you whole go, don't tear it up. You'll be responsible. And you're going out in some of them, you know, conditions. Are you wade through a duck hole 500 yards and trying not to trip on a log? And, or are you you're trying to scale a mountain and get in front of an elk herd and trying not to, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just nothing about filming outdoor television is the gear that we use even remotely supposed to survive it. <laughs> you know? Oh, I I know Sometimes how different how different my duck hunts have been this year. Yeah, I've been toting around about a I don't know eight hundred dollar camera with me, just trying to you know just just play around with it. But the way I'm easing in, hey, watch, watch this. My camera's over there, and I'm like, I don't even know how these guys do it. And the, and the big time, they're they're not carrying around an eight hundred dollar piece of equipment. It's ten times more than that. <laughs> that. That's right. And a lot of things have changed too from then to now. Um, equipment is smaller now back then we were still shooting on tape you know like a dv cam tape or a mini dv tape uh that went out around 05 probably and then everything went to tapeless you know you're capturing on 
either CF cards or SD cards or some type of card. Uh, interchangeable lenses became a thing. You know, shooting video on the DSLR cameras became a thing. That was that was uh, a big deal a few years ago. Uh, you know, like a Canon 5D that you take still images on, you know, just a photographer uses and figured out you could shoot some pretty clean, pretty cool looking video on them cameras too. And I mean, nowadays guys are carrying three to four cameras with them at the time. Their main camera, they call them the kill camera. Uh, then they're carrying, you know, your secondary angles, you know, your GoPros or, uh, or different remote type cameras. Um, you know, then a little smaller type, uh, you know, perspective camera or people camera. So a lot's changed, but so I hit the road. I mean, I was, I was a road warrior uh for a lot of years uh just filming 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 we did a lot of different things at mossy oak we filmed you know industry people people within our company obviously and then we did a lot of we were a full house production company at the time and we're producing shows for other companies we produced some american hunter uh, which is a national rifle association show at the time uh, we produced a show for browning produced a show for the national shooting sports foundation on and on and on and we've always had our internal titles too uh Mossy Oaks Hunting the Country. It's a 20-year run. Y'all probably know that show. I yeah. mean, it's been out forever. Um, you know, Mossy Oak was instrumental before I started in 03, back in the late 90s, up until about 01 or 02. You remember the Nashville Network, TNN? Yes. Uh, that's where it was at. That was it. Sunday nights, you had, you basically had Mossy Oak, hunting the country you had real tree outdoors and you had uh maybe like another one or two little small time deals that didn't last but but that was really about it and then everything transitioned to the outdoor channel which at the time was that was unprecedented holy cow uh, a network on television that's only hunting and fishing and everybody flipped out well mossy oak we were very instrumental and helping those guys get off the ground. Uh, of course, lots have changed since. I mean, it's changed ownership five times, and it's a, just a gigantic conglomerate now. They also own Sportsman Channel. We also have Pursuit Channel. So we've got lots of places to put TV, but a lot has changed. And then over those years, I was a road warrior man filming, and then I transitioned into a, uh, a video services manager, basically the supervisor over all the uh, field production guys. Uh, still filmed, uh, but not quite as much. I transitioned more into uh, a little bit of a hunting role, but then also uh, management of our sponsors. Uh, because the way you make money in television is you got to make sell commercials. You know, it's just like anything. Super Bowl, Pepsi buys a commercial, whatever. You know, they're spending that money, so we got to we got to sell advertising. We had a team of sales guys that do did that and, and still do to this day, and. Uh, you know, I'd make I'd be the guy to make sure. You know, loophole was the optic sponsor. We had to have loophole in front of the camera, and nothing competing, no other competing optic. You know, if Remington was the center fire sponsor, we had we couldn't have a Browning or whatever. You know, uh, and then that went along for a while, and and now I'm the director of field production, and which is we have television, and we also have digital media. Uh, we have an app, the Mossy Oak Go app. It's about a year and a half old. It's brand new in our space, in the outdoor content capture space. And uh, it's it's really rolling. Uh, well over 500,000 uh, downloads. You guys can go to your app store right now on your iPhone and download it. And just 
just watch whatever hunting you want to watch and fish and we got lots of different titles on there so right now i'm over all of that just all the field production and manage our our field producers and stuff and uh and and i see i'm still managing all the uh sponsorship product placement type stuff and all the logistical things it's a lot that goes into it we just don't show up somewhere and hunt you know um and in like outfitter relationships, you know, like if we book a whitetail hunt somewhere or turkey hunt or duck hunt or whatever, I'm the guy that books those hunts and, and handles those agreements and, and things like that. And uh, it's a constant deal. But, yeah, that's about a 10-minute uh, <laughs> I bet it is synopsis. a constant deal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, just dealing with outfitters, you know, I hunt around and travel a good bit. And, you know, just keeping just keeping those few relationships you know, or, or, or a constant, you know, you're, you're constantly sending a message or, you know, a text or a phone call, you know, Hey man, what's everything looking like? You know, what's anything changed? Anything new I need to bring? What's, you know, yeah, there's always, always that last minute cancellation here or change here. Yeah. And I'm just trying to hunt. You're actually trying to be productive while you're there. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, and you know, you guys know as well as I do in hunting, timing is everything. Uh, no doubt with with weather and then you know early season versus rut versus late season we're producing so much content we've got to capitalize all uh phases of the season you know some guys hey i'm just gonna hunt during the rut that's your best chance to see a big deer well that may be the case in some states but in some states your best chance to kill a big deer is early you know yeah, um, much pressure you know in some states some states you just, you got just as good a chance killing a big deer late for example i mean We've killed booners with bows and arrow, bow and arrows on camera in Kentucky each of the last four or five seasons in a row, first of September. They're still mm-hmm. bachelored up, you know, there's no pressure. They still got velvet. They hadn't gone nuts yet. You know how they do when they shed their velvet and they, they turn into a white tail buck at that point and they become nocturnal and hard to kill. <laughs> I mean, they're a little bit, y'all know what I'm saying. I mean, before that gravel different. starts popping. That's right. And then, uh, course of rut you throw everything that's a wild card you'll be able to see a new deer you never thought you had on the place uh covering some country trying to find a doe and then and then also you'd be in some standing beans or or corn in iowa in january when it's super cold and really being a good opportunity to possibly kill a great big deer so we have to capitalize on all times of the year and i'm just speaking of deer specifically but um we well, still not only ducks, that, but you're trying to get out. enough content uh, to produce a we show. Hunt turkey, you know. You know that's that's one thing I don't know if a lot of people realize, Rusty. You know, when you're trying to produce a show, you don't usually do it on one hunt. There's no multiple that's exactly hunts. Right. Uh, you're, if, you're cutting, you're segmenting, we, you're doing things from different areas, and you've got to get it all. You, you've got to have enough content to produce that show enough good that's content. exactly right and that's one of the things i had to learn early on and then you know like new guys if we hire new young guys now we have to make sure they i train them or we train them and make sure they understand kind of that eye and what it takes on a mount of content that you got and one thing i learned and i think it's just kind of a standard deal as a content creator you know field producer if you will for hunting you usually get more than you think uh, you know you may get back to the office and go man i think we can stretch a show or i think we can get two eight-minute digital pieces out of this. And usually when you get it in front of you, get it in a computer and start editing it, it uh, usually you find you got more than, than you thought. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, usually, you know, white-tailed deer, you know, most of our wheelhouse is white-tailed deer, turkey, and waterfowl. 
I mean, that's that's our consumer, or the majority of our consumer. We're selling, we're creating camo patterns to to hide from those critters and kill those critters. And uh, mm-hmm. and of course, we do make some Western patterns. You know, it's just the Western, you know, elk, mule deer, pronghorn stuff like that. That's just not our our wheelhouse. We're a southeastern company, but we're obviously going to put a product out there for those guys. We want to be able to, uh, you know, hit all the markets. But uh, but we just look at the facts. We look at the numbers. I mean, the, some of the latest uh, polls or numbers out there, is, you know, white-tailed deer hunting with a rifle is still the number one uh, form of hunting there is out there. I mean, more people hunt a deer with a rifle, you know, border to border, coast to coast, than anything else. And uh, so... That's who we try to market to the most. And then, uh, yeah, and, you know, and the camo patterns specific, you know, like bottom land. Uh, bottom land was the first pattern Toxie came up with back in 86, and it's still going strong. Uh, I was about to say, how popular it still is today. It's still one Man, of my favorite ones. It, it still works, and it's so popular. And, I mean, amongst duck hunters and turkey hunters, man, you, you just you cannot beat original bottom land or when we redesigned it. And, uh, yeah. I believe we did the redesign on it. We called it new bottom land. I believe it was in 06. Uh, yeah, I, I was thinking 06, 07, something like that. And you'd be surprised that licensees request both, you know, so like a bandit or a Drake or a Filson or whoever it is, apparel companies, they want them both, you know, so neither one yeah. of them's ever going to die. Uh, if you stand next to a oak tree, in September, man, or a cypress or something, and, and either one of those bottom lands, I mean, you're, you become a part of that tree. Same thing in the turkey woods. Early season, uh, you know, first couple weekends of turkey season, it's not real green yet, you know. Uh, man, you put on bottom lands, you can sit anywhere you want, you know. Yep. Uh, and then we got the green patterns, you know, obsession, and break up country is just kind of an all-encompassing pattern. We come out, I believe, four or five years ago, and it's been the leader uh, based on our research and on you know independent marketing firms doing uh polls breakup country mossy breakup country has been the number one camo pattern in america i believe it's five straight years running uh it's kind of an all-encompassing pattern and and that's part of it i mean that's that's the base of what we do at mossy oak is 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 making effective camo patterns to hide from critters to help hunters have success but but mossy oak now is is more than just a camo pattern and more than hiding from from critters y'all probably noticed it on on our uh our brand ads our commercials over the years you know we're talks here mr fox's dad says you know hey it's so much more than camo pattern it's about you know conservation and uh and and really mossy oak being an expression and a way of life you know uh and and think about how many folks you see wearing just camo out to the football game or or it may just be a red or gray or our blue t-shirt with the mossy oak tree logo on it going out to grab lunch you know i mean mm-hmm. it's more than just camo it's it's a way of life and it's an expression and some brand and a lifestyle is what we're promoting and that's exactly what we are and uh it's been a good run maybe, maybe an obsession <laughs> what's that i said maybe an obsession <laughs> hey exactly tagline it's not you know it's not yeah. a passion it's an obsession you know absolutely that still lives and and, and toxie will tell you it's about the people man and uh he wants to he wants to help folks you know connect to a better life outdoors and uh he said something a long time ago you know god only gave us so many sunrises i don't want to miss one and, and so many of us within the company live by that you know 
and uh it's a it's a great company to work for it's just a family family uh atmosphere through and through and uh we're rock and rolling man it's been a, it's been a it's been a good deal it's been you know uh i think one of the uh, interesting things is the, the mossy oak tree, that logo that y'all are familiar with, uh, that we haven't changed in ever. Uh, I think one time, maybe we tweaked it a little bit years ago, but, uh, it's still, I think in the top three, one year it was in the top three, one year it was the most recognizable logo, brand logo in the outdoor space. It's been in the top three, for at least the top five in the outdoor space, most recognizable logos for several years running, you know, uh, but yeah, that's it. I mean, uh, film hunts, content capture, man. That's what, that's what I'm involved in and been my passion for a long time and still doing it. Well, Rusty, I got two things. We got a, about 10 more minutes here. We can visit, uh, something I want to back up on now for a lot of the folks that listen to this show, you know, technology's made it a lot easier. You know, you can film stuff on your phone. You can, you can buy decent cameras at a decent price from a, camera guy a, a, a guy filming someone else a professional hunter kind of walk us through because i mean you've got to have pretty similar skill set as the guy hunting if not a little better because you've got to stay just as still you have to be just as quiet you can't be up there fiddling with something you you have your job is just as hard if not harder in my opinion than the guy hunting one hundred percent, one hundred percent. It it is, uh, and I've I've been on both sides of it. Obviously, I started out uh, been behind the camera ninety eight percent of the time, and then over the last probably seven years, I've been in front of the camera probably ninety percent of the time. <clears throat> but still, film a little bit uh, from time to time. And man, being the trigger guy, being a hunter, which is what, like I said, what I've done most of over the last six seven years, is easy. Uh, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. You still get worked up. You know, you got to make a, a good ethical shot. You got to kill the animal. I mean, that's your, that's your job, but you got to do it with the direction of the camera guy. You got to do it with the direction of the field producer. Uh, you can't just shoot when you got the shot. I, I can't tell you how many times I've had to not shoot a deer, for example, because it wasn't right for the camera. And that's a hard pill to swallow. It just happened earlier this year in November. Uh, had a hundred and probably 58 inch nine point standing at 24 yards in Kansas. I'm drawing back on him, looking at him through the peat, buried the pin on his heart, ready to go. But Joe, one of our veteran field producers, has been doing it 20 years from Mossy Oak. He said, Russ, I can't let you do it. I said, Mighty Joe, you have got to be kidding me. And uh, he goes, <laughs> he goes, he said, it's too dark, man. And he didn't get much pre-roll of the deer, too. That's another thing. Uh, yeah, it is different. But to answer your question, obviously, I've done both. I've been in front of the camera a lot. I've been behind the camera a lot. The guy behind the camera, you, you're absolutely right. He's got to be able to hunt. He's got to know what he's doing. Um, Gus said it all those years ago. I mean, he he said, man, I'd rather have somebody, he would say a sniper. I'd rather have a sniper. I'd rather have somebody that can get it done, that can hide, and I'll teach him some basics of the camera. And Troy, you know, we'll teach you basics of the camera, and then things will evolve from there. But, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we've experimented the other way around. I remember probably back around 07 uh the manager we had at the time hired a guy uh just that had like film school experience but zero hunting i mean boy he could light up a scene with a set of lights 
uh, <laughs> not, not in a hunting world, but like for an interview type of situation. He knew about composition and audio and the best mics and the best lenses and all this kind of stuff. But, man, he ruined so many hunts because he didn't have a clue, and we tried to train him, and the learning curve was just too much. I mean, think about it, Jacob. When you started learning trying to kill a turkey, I mean, it took years. How many turkeys did you spook before you killed one? Who? You know? Man, I still spook How- them. What you talking about? Exactly. How many does did you spook trying to draw back out of a 12-foot ladder when you was 10 years old? You know what I'm saying? I mean, Yeah, you've got just, to you got to learn to make sure it heads down or, you know, attention to right. somewhere else. It, ta- it takes time. So that didn't work out for that guy. Uh, and then, you know, here I am, you know, there's other guys like me that just knew how to hunt, and we just gradually became better with the camera. And to this day, I don't claim to be, uh, like I said, I don't film as much anymore, but I that even when I was filming all the time, I didn't claim to be, you know, the best camera operator per se, or the best. I just knew basics that I learned. I knew where to keep those audio levels. And I knew how to keep stuff in frame and in focus. And I knew how to lead. I knew how to direct. Uh, you got to be able to take charge behind the camera and say, no, 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 no. Quarter and two too much. Wait. Or there's a fawn behind it. Or we don't want to kill two deer. Or watch out. There's a hen walking up. You know, our group of ducks coming in. You know, you're 75 yards back over here. Shoot the bottom two green heads if they commit. Leave the other ones. I'm on the bottom two. You know, that kind of deal. <laughs> it's 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 hard. Uh, it, it definitely is hard. And, and, and like I said earlier in the conversation, folks that just rear back in the recliner and turn on hunting TV, man, or, or open up the iPad and start watching stuff on the app, they just think, oh, them guys just go out there and just kill critters. They go on these canned hunts and that is so not true. I've slept in tents, wall tents. I've hiked. I've been, I mean, it's just, it's nuts the work that it takes to get it done. It really is. Um, and it's hard to do. Uh, and it just kind of takes a commitment. And uh, it's weird because, like, when I get back from a trip, whether it's filming or hunting, and I just want to take the boys out hunting on the lease, just try to kill a doe or something for some deer meat. That's like, I feel like I don't have everything. It's like, all right, I got, I got a kid. I got a rifle. I got Hunter's Orange. And we're going to sit in that box stand. That's all we need. I got some snacks. You know, it's weird. Yeah, it, you don't, you, know, it's you don't have a whole entourage you, you, of Normally equipment. you're carrying a basin and arm and a tripod and your backpack weighs 65 pounds and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Or you're trying to, you know, it, it's definitely different. Well, Rusty, before we get off here, touch on that a little bit. I know you have uh, you have three boys, and you know you're instrumental on trying to get them out in the outdoors, like Jeremy and I are with our children, and and most of the folks that we we have listening, they 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 know that we're we're big on getting kids involved. How much, with you being in the industry, you know, I know it rubs off on the kids, but you know, is it is it carrying through? Is it something that oh, they're passing on to their one, friends and getting more kids involved? And absolutely, it, it's uh, it's huge for us, for for me, from a personal standpoint, to pass pass on hunting and, and what I've learned and what I've been fortunate enough to learn and what I know about it to my boys, but also to just other youth that I've come in contact with, whether it's uh, you know teammates of my boys, you know, on their baseball team or their football team. Uh, if a kid comes up to me, you know, hey, Coach Rusty, I want to learn to hunt. I'm going to do what I can to take that kid hunting. I mean, there's a there's a kid uh, right here locally that's buddies with my, my middle son and plays baseball with him. And 
I'm kind of mentoring him and his dad, even both this year. His dad didn't hunt, hadn't hunted, never grew up hunting, but the boy was intrigued by it because he heard my middle one, Eli, talking about hunting. And uh, so, so far this year, we've gotten that little fella, his first buck, a little spike, and then he got a doe the other day, and he's just hooked, you know. I just feel like, you know, as an outdoorsman, as a hunter, uh, as a fisherman, it's my job, and I think it's all of our job to to mentor and to pass it down. And, uh, and we're big on that at Mossy Oak, and that's one of the messages we spread is, uh, you know, pass it down. And because uh, if we don't, you know, we won't have it. And, uh, you know, we were talking, Jacob, before we started about, you know, hunter numbers are down. I mean, if you look at license, hunting license sales. Oh, yeah, uh, all across the U.S. Of, is down. Yeah, across the United States, it's license sales are down, and that's scary. But uh, you know, There's always somebody trying to take our guns, and, you know, we just got to do everything we can to pass it down. But it has stuck with my boys for sure. They love it. Well, it's a passion. It's an obsession. You know, it's a – I tell folks it's a way of life. I mean – you know, I, I grew up on a farm. We grew up hunting, uh, live on a farm now. My kids will come in, you know, Daddy, there's turkeys in the pasture. Or, Daddy, there's a deer going across. Or, you know, it, it's something all the time. You know, there's pigs. Daddy, there, there was pigs on the camera. You know, my, my kids will go check a camera every once in a while, and they'll come back. And To me, that there's not much more satisfying to me than that, to know that I'm passing that forward and – you know, we're we're making that impact on a generation coming up, and hopefully they'll, you know, I, I tell mine all the time, my goal is when I'm old and feeble, hopefully you'll take me hunting somewhere. Absolutely. It, it's our responsibility, man, to do it. And, uh, you know, Custrick, and I've mentioned him a couple of times, uh, like I said, he, he hired me at Mossy Oak. I mean, I owe him everything, giving me a chance. You know, him and Toxie, uh, he told Toxie, hey, we gotta we got to hire this kid, see how it goes. And, uh, because man he wears it on on his chest he's very outspoken about kids we've got to pass it down it's not just kids i mean just first time hunters i can't tell you how many guys that he has taken over the years they may be 55 year old men that have never hunted and he goes up and helps with the turkey farm and boom they're hooked next thing you know they're trying to find a lease they're buying a license they're booking outfitted hunts i mean it's it's a vicious cycle you know what i'm saying um we just got to do everything we can to, to recruit new hunters to keep this thing rolling, for sure. I agree, man. Well, look, Rusty, man, I have thoroughly enjoyed this. I know Jeremy had to step off a little while ago, but, man, I really appreciate you coming on here. That's been a been an awesome time visiting with you. Man, I've enjoyed it, and thanks so much for, for asking me to come on. Uh, you know, when you called me or texted me the other day, I, I said, heck, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say no. You know, here's a, you know, like I said, Southwest Mississippi, baby. I mean, it's just, I'm fond of it. Still got God's family country, down baby. there. Mom and daddy, my brother, you know, Ken folks, aunts and uncles. And, you know, a few years ago, you mentioned the Scenic Rivers uh, deal down there. I did a, an appearance down there a few years ago at an archery shoot and things. And anytime I can do something to help promote hunting and to promote Mossy Oak and our brand, uh, I'm going to do it, especially when it comes from 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 home area people you know such as yourself i got you bud well i appreciate it look everybody listening this is another edition of outdoor country talk we appreciate y'all and god bless well ain't nothing like a southern air lord to make you feel all right i got the windows down i got the radio on